entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. The show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, DC Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders, that's you, by the way, so you can inspire others. My guest with me today is a repeat performer. He's back. This is Michael Solomon. Hi, Dr. Solomon. How are you, sir? Well, I'm great and uh, glad to be back for the sequel. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, back for the sequel, right. Well, we ran into each other in Philadelphia at a meeting, and uh, I said, I got to have you back on. I like what you talked about, and so I want to have you back on. So let's do it this way. You have so many credentials that I, I would take 10 minutes of the show to review those. So, so Michael, tell us what you want us to know about you before we get into the whole interview. Okay, I think I can do that. Uh, well, in my day job, I'm a per professor of marketing in the Haub School of Business at St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia, where I teach marketing and consumer behavior to uh, to 18-year-olds, 25-year-olds, 40-year-olds, uh, whoever mm -hmm. will listen. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm also uh, an author. Um, I have several textbooks, including, I'm, I'm proud to say, the, uh, the most widely used uh, textbook on consumer behavior mm -hmm. uh, globally. So I, uh, that's my baby, and I've mm -hmm. been working on that for a really long time. And uh, I've written a number of other books, including trade books, and the one that you want to talk about today, which I really appreciate, uh, is called Marketers Tear Down These Walls liberating the postmodern consumer so we can we can get into that in a minute but uh, but basically I'm a, a short story is I'm a consumer psychologist uh, my focus is on why people buy what really drives them to buy and uh, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of companies to help them understand that and I also uh, do a fair amount of of keynote speaking where I talk to groups to help them understand how to become more customer centric and your website for people to learn more is michaelsolomon.com correct that is it okay so we are going to focus primarily uh on your book but you can take us anywhere you'd like to go you are the expert so we'll allow you to go wherever you want to go but the book that we're going to kind of focus on the title again is marketers tear down these walls liberating the postmodern consumer. Um, I guess it's your mantra. <laughs> I've read it several places when I, when I research you. And you say this, we don't buy products because of what they do. We buy them because of what they mean to say that, because I want, again, because I want that to sink in. We don't buy products because of what they do. We buy them because of what they mean Ah, uh, that needs some explanation for me, Mike. Talk to me. Well, the biggest mistake that marketers make 
is that they confuse attributes with benefits. And, you know, this is something that we start teaching our students in, in the first marketing course they take, but it's worth repeating over and over and over again. And, and when you look uh, throughout throughout history, throughout the throughout marketing history, certainly if you go into if there's such a thing as a marketing graveyard somewhere, I think it's littered with uh, with the graves of companies or brands that didn't understand this, that they might be making a product. They might be making something that you can hold in your hand or maybe it's a service. But the customer is not buying that. The customer is buying a meaning. They're buying a way to make their lives better. They're buying a way to think differently about themselves. And so, you know, one of the one of the classic uh, cliches that that I use with my students is and this we've said this for many years is that, you know, a marketer sells a three quarter inch drill bit, but a consumer buys a three quarter inch hole. Mm hmm. And those two are very different, you know, especially when someone else comes along and invents a laser beam or something that allows you to, to cut that three quarter inch hole uh, quicker and better. That first guy is left in the dust be because he, he's only focusing on what things do. And so, mm. you know, in every just about every category, certainly every consumer facing category, what you find pretty reliably is that you'll have one or two brands that are way out there in terms of popularity and people's devotion to them. Mm -hmm. And then you've got everybody else. So it's kind of like the Kentucky Derby, you know, where one or two horses are way up front and everybody else is bringing up the rear. And, mm. and almost always what you'll find is when you look at those brands that are really, you know, ahead of the pack, the reason is that what, what they have is a very compelling story. And so today, you know, and I kind of laugh when I because this is a very big buzzword in the advertising community right now, brand storytelling. And mm -hmm. the reality is it's always been, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the successful companies have always told brand stories, but everybody is scrambling to tell a story. And that's good because that's what we as consumers want to buy. So, you know, we have we have lots of expressions in our in our culture and I, in other cultures as well, you know, that go along the lines of. You are what you drive, you are what you eat, you are what you wear, mm -hmm. and on and on. And guess what? There's a lot of truth to that because we are using these brands constantly to figure out who we are, uh, who we want to be, who we don't want to be, people that we want to be with, people that we don't want to be with. So much of that, those decisions are driven by brands. So there's no such thing as a trivial brand. You know, they, they, they're no matter what the brand is, I guarantee you, especially, you know, in the social media age, mm. you, you're going to find a devoted community somewhere of hundreds or even thousands of people who are devoted to learning everything they can about that brand. And yeah. that's the secret to marketing success right there. So I've, as you were speaking, I put myself in the uh, seat of the uh, chief marketing officer and the CEO of a uh, big or small company. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, Dr. Solomon, I, I get it. I got to tell a story. How the hell do I do that? Uh, is, is tearing down these walls, is that, do you mean tearing down the walls of traditional advertising like network television? I mean, how do, what's the delivery vehicles for this? Okay, I got the storytelling, but talk to me about our 
about how do we do this? Yeah, well, uh, you know, ironically, a lot of times the story is sitting right in your lap because mm. you have, you know, especially if you have a brand that has been around for a while um, or was founded by, you know, a couple of people who were devoted to making something better, that's your brand story. Mm-hmm. Because one mm-hmm. of the biggest attributes of these stories, especially among millennials and younger consumers today, is they want they want to know what I call the brand genealogy. In other words, they mm-hmm. want to know where things come from, what right. the founding story is. So, right. you know, you think about some iconic ones like Hewlett Packard. You know, they the two guys in a garage, and I think and I believe you can still visit the garage where they started the company, mm. and that is a brand story. So, what I tell a lot of managers is, you know, don't look far afield because you you you're probably sitting on a story. And you just don't realize it. But again, the companies that understand the power of that story take it as far as it can go. And, you know, I've uh, you take a company like Nike, um, you know, they systematically when 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 they hire managers and so on. What I've heard is I've heard this secondhand um, that, you know, they do a lot of orientation about the brand story, how it started with a guy pouring, Mm. you know, using a waffle iron to make the shoes. Right. Uh, and I've even heard that, you know, once you reach a certain level in that organization, you get that swoosh tattoo on a place on your body that we won't talk <laughs> about today, but it's, that's considered, that's what I've heard now. I haven't checked it personally. <laughs> you but, haven't done uh, direct you know, market that's research. That's an example. When, when you see people, you know, we, every, a lot of people have tattoos today, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that's breaking down a wall because that used to be something that's, you know, only uh, ex-cons and people like that had tattoos. But now housewives in Topeka have tattoos. And I I don't want to get too diverted. But the reason I raise that is that when you see everyday people who are voluntarily getting a permanent tattoo of a brand Mm. logo on their body, you know that you have a very, very devoted customer. Yeah. And you see them all the time, even for brands like Walmart or something like that. You will find people with tattoos of those logos. And <laughs> what they're doing is they're, they are literally incorporating that brand meaning into their bodies in that case. So they're walking billboards, first of all. And then obviously, uh, through the storytelling and all the things you've just mentioned, is that that emotional connection obviously has been made um, because, uh, yeah, and I think that's part, that's a big part of it, I guess, and it's probably what you're talking about is the emotional connection. But you said something earlier. I want you, you talked about younger people, millennials. Don't baby boomers have any money to spend? Come on, man. I mean, I'm in that category. Don't we have money to spend? Yeah. Don't we spend well, an I, awful I lot of time? You know, that's an example of one of the walls I do talk about uh, in the book. I, what I mean by walls are traditional ways that we categorize our customers. Yeah. Where we put them into a little compartment and then we walk away thinking we've got them figured out. So an example of that is a, you know, a very basic distinction we make of young versus old. Mm. And that distinction, you know, when in, in a day when, when you've got 80 uh, year olds running marathons, and you've got ten-year-olds mm-hmm. who are in beauty contests and wearing makeup. You know that's an example of a distinction or a category that is largely obsolete because age is a matter. It it really is a matter of how old you feel, mm-hmm. not how old you chronologically are. And so, 
Uh, you raised the point about baby boomers and old, older people having money. They've got all the money, you know. <laughs> They've and, got and all the money. The, <laughs> okay. This is one of the biggest mistakes that advertisers make. Everybody wants to go after a certain ideal customer they have in their minds. And it might be, let's say, a you know, a woman in her late 20s, early 30s. She's urbane. She's constantly going to glamorous places and blah, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. And maybe she is, but, you know, it's quite likely that her parents are funding her. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, so there, uh, when you look at spending power and you and you compare that to the to the percentage, for example, the percentage of advertisements that feature older people. And Marty, when I say older, I mean like over 30. <laughs> okay, uh, got it. The, the number is incredibly small, mm. incredibly small. And yet these are the people who have, you know, paid off their mortgages. They're sure. spending their children's inheritance like the bumper stickers say. Yeah. But they're not glamorous, you know, and so everybody wants to to run to those glamorous customers but yeah, hey we can be glamorous too we you know we've got enough money that we can be glamorous hey michael i saw you fill it up pretty good man you know oh, you were well dressed up you look good yeah, I look pretty good for uh, 80 years old <laughs> all right as you were speaking again my mind listens but I'm looking at the title of your book, Marketers Tear Down These Walls, Liberating the Postmodern Consumer. Before you answer that question, I didn't ask it yet, but I want to make sure everybody knows that I'm speaking with Michael Solomon. MichaelSolomon.com is his website. How about social media, Michael? Are you there, and where can we find you? I am. I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Twitter. My handle is at Mike Solo, M-I-K-E-S-O-L-O. -E Got it. Yep. All right. Go deeper on these words, liberating the postmodern consumer. Uh, tell me more about what you mean by that phrase. Yeah, that's a mouthful, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, basically, until fairly recently, we 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 have our the way our culture thinks uh, has often been termed modernism, and you see that term applied in in architecture and things like that, where you have very very structured, for example, skyscrapers that are very square or, or rectangular with very even lines. Mm. Um, that's an example maybe of modernist architecture. Now, what does that have to do with marketing? Well, what it means is that in the, the modernist perspective, we value, uh, we value the scientific method. We value putting people very systematically into categories. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so those categories could be when we talk about market segmentation, you know, marketing 101, again, those categories can be things like young versus old, male versus female, rich versus poor, online versus offline, et cetera. Now, what postmodernism means is that we've entered a period in our culture that is post that is after modernism where a lot of these categories no longer are relevant to people. Hmm. And what people do is they create basically a collage. Your life is a collage where you're borrowing from lots of different places. And, and you know, Marty, one of the best, uh, one of the analogies I use that I think helps people understand this is if, if you go to one of these international buffets, mm -hmm. you know, and you, you're walking down with your plate and you've got everything from, you know, pizza to egg rolls to tacos to cheeseburgers, whatever it is, all on one plate. Mm. So in the old days, you know, a modernist 
perspective on ethnic food is that you go to an Italian restaurant, you eat what they have, you go to a Mexican restaurant, that's a whole different category. And when you go to one of these buffets, you see people piling the stuff on their plates. So that is the way we're sampling from culture, where we're taking we're taking yeah. ideas from lots of different cultures. Mm. And people have a real hunger, I think, to learn about other cultures, which is why travel, you know, obviously travel is, is so important. Yeah. Uh, lots of different restaurants that we call fusion restaurants and so on. Interesting. Uh, clothing yeah. styles that are borrowed from different places. Those are all examples of a postmodern perspective. And, and again, it's not just some abstract or academic term. It's really important for business people because it means that, you know, as I say, as I say in my book title, you need to tear down walls yeah. because the consumer is. The consumer right. is no longer being penned in by these stale categories. They're going to climb. You put them in boxes, they're going to climb right out. And climb out. part of that is that we just have access whether it's online or offline, to so many different ideas right. that were not like that, you know, the man in the gray flannel suit of the 1950s where everybody looks the same. Yeah. Michael, you present to a lot of large international brands. I mean, uh, you mentioned a couple here that you may or may not have presented to, but if you go to your website, you'll see a a stellar list of international brands, and you you do keynotes and you present to them frequently. So why are they calling you? What are they worried about? What are they talking to you about? Obviously, you're very deep in the subject matter, but is there is there something that they say, Michael, we need you to come because or well, I'll, on I'll give you one I'll give you one word and that word is engagement. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest problems companies face today, large or small, is engaging customers. And part of that is that we have so many choices available to us that we're jaded. Mm -hmm. We're, we're, you know, we're stressed. We're, we're, we don't have the, the luxury of, you know, learning everything we can about a brand before we make a decision. There's just too many options out there, you know? So in, in what I like to say is, you know, this is a first world problem. Our problem is not for the most part, a scarcity of choices. Like mm -hmm. it might be in, let's say, communist, uh, you know, in the USSR when that was around. Right. Our, ironically, our biggest problem is that we have too many choices. And so the average consumer is overwhelmed and really searching for brands that will help them to make sense of their lives. Mm -hmm. and, and again, like I said before, in almost any category you're going to have one or two brands where you you know you can point to that brand and say yeah you know that's the one like you know Apple every, that's everybody's favorite example but think about it how many tech products you know are people willing to camp out in a snowstorm for 3 <laughs> days before right. Apple you know makes their next phone available that is a cult product and that is a level of engagement that is probably temporary you know it's not going to last forever but it's it's also very rare. And so when you know, when companies or organizations call me, it usually it, it's something to do with how do we how do we wake these people up? I mean, they're yeah. everybody's walking around with their faces buried in their phones and, you know, try standing in, in a lecture hall and 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 talking to, to 50, <laughs> right. 18 year olds who are all buried in their laptops. Right. And that is the problem that every marketer faces. How do I get that person to at least you know, metaphorically 
look up from their phone and say, wow, that's a really interesting offer you have there. Right. So let me jump in. So because I've am now very conscious, probably because I've done so many interviews to kind of relate to this topic. So I want you to talk to me about social impact. I consciously now, now probably over the years, I will think, I will buy Pantagonia for certain reasons, and you know why. I will look to Tom's. I will look to the Warby Parkers of the world. And these are all companies, If I correct me if I'm wrong, who are thinking about, well, they call it the triple bottom line, but they're social impact companies, are they not? And is that part of their story, and is that resonating with the general public? Yes and yes. I mean, that, uh, the, all the examples you've, you've cited are companies that are telling a compelling story. And, and, you know, many of the stories that people, especially younger people, but not just younger people, the stories they want to hear are, are about what are you doing to give back? Mm-hmm. How are you part of the community? Because that's part of that authenticity story. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when, 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 when I, I, I like to think about brand genealogy, you know, the way people trace their ancestors and so mm-hmm. on. A, a lot of these people, I think if they could do it, you know, they, they want to know exactly what hands have touched this product and under what conditions, you right. know, was it made, was it made in a sweatshop in Bangladesh, et cetera. And so it's not enough just to have a flashy, you know, ad campaign and so on. Again, there's that, notion of telling a story. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I was in uh, Hawaii in a seafood restaurant. I opened the menu and every dish had the name of the fisherman who caught that fish on the menu. Wow. Now, now that's a bit of overkill. But if you go into Whole Foods today and you look carefully, you'll see there's a lot of these founder stories, you know, two sisters who wanted a soap that wouldn't irritate their baby's skin or what have you. That's a good, a great point. So, again, my guest is Michael Solomon. His website is michaelsolomon.com. Tell us your social media again, Michael. Uh, you can reach me on, on LinkedIn uh, just by searching for my name. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Mike Solo, and you can find me on Facebook as well. Yeah. All right. So, believe it or not, we need to start uh, wrapping up. We could go for a long time. Um, obviously it is a huge subject that, uh, you are absolutely an expert in, but let's wrap up this way. What have you been talking about or thinking about most in the NAST in the last, let's say 2019. And how do you think what you're thinking about and talking about is going to impact 2020 and beyond? Now that's a difficult question, but yeah. do the best you can in a minute or two. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for that. <laughs> Go. <laughs> uh, no, actually, you know, the answer is kind of easy because one of the walls that I talk about in, in my book and, and in many places is the is the breakdown of the wall between producers and consumers. Mm-hmm. And that there, I can't, you know, stress enough how important that is. And so. When we talk about the gig economy that everybody's talking about, and you know that's an example of that, where everyday people are, become limo drivers, they become mm-hmm. salespeople, and and on and on, and and that evolution, for better or worse, it's not all positive, right? With all these mm-hmm. issues about uh, you know benefits for Uber drivers and so on, it, there, it's definitely a mixed bag. But it's fundamentally changing the way young people in particular think about ownership and where ideas come from. Mm-hmm. So to give you a quick example, you know, I have a daughter. She's about 30. 
she tells me that about two thirds, she, she lives in, Man, works in Manhattan. Uh, she tells me that about two thirds of her wardrobe comes from rent the runway. Wow. And this idea that people are no, you know, the pride of ownership that you and I grew up with, whether it's mm. a home or clothing or a car, people are leasing cars rather than buying them. I mean, mm -hmm. there's lots of examples that you can look at in different categories mm -hmm. that all reinforce this general idea that this traditional uh, distinction we make between, for example, buying versus leasing or renting mm -hmm. or producing versus consuming, you can just throw those out the window yeah. because everyday people are taking yep. on those roles yeah. and that will have a profound impact for better or worse over the next couple of years. So I strongly suggest to everyone listening to this buy his book, marketers tear down these walls liberating the postmodern consumer and if you're inclined to want a speaker to come you should contact him at michaelsolomon.com and michael i hope i can see you again in philadelphia soon or wherever our paths may meet so thank you so much for being part of the show again oh it's such a pleasure to be back marty thank you thank you so much for listening to the business builder show to learn more about me and i'm marty wolf go to Marty Wolf Business Solutions.com. That's Marty Wolf Business Solutions.com. To learn more about Kelly Hoey, go to her website, which is jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. And of course, you can find Kelly and Marty on LinkedIn and Twitter. A reminder you can find all our Business Builders shows on iTunes, Spotify, and on your favorite podcast app. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf.